So we are telling stories this morning. Um, if, you, if you read the email that Neil and Kate sent out on, on Friday, um, we, love, we love the Friday email. Um, the verse in there was, uh, let's tell the next generation the amazing things that God has done. Uh, Psalm 78, verse 4. So we want to we we talk about the amazing things God's done, both in, in our own lives and in the lives of, of this church. And I want to tell you a little bit about uh, the story of the vineyard movement. So this is a vineyard church, in case you didn't realize. And we're part of a wider movement uh, known, as, known as the vineyard. Um, all right, there we go, the vineyard. Um, essentially, you could say our story goes all the way back to Acts. We are simply carrying on uh, Jesus' ministry from one church to tens of churches to hundreds of churches to millions of churches all over the world. Uh, all different nationalities and all different ways of being church and doing church. We are just one expression of the body of Christ. Um, we never pretend to be better than anybody else. Uh, we are simply doing what God has called us to do, and hopefully other churches are doing what God has called them to do. And we're all together part of the body of the Christ, part of the body of Christ. Um, we love the stories of Acts in, in, um, in VKids. We usually spend part of the summer term talking about the stories of Acts, um, about how the earliest churches began. Um, we like to, I'm going to talk a little bit about, about how the vineyards began. I'm probably going to make mistakes. It's probably not going to be all correct, but it, I'm just telling a story. I'm not giving you a history. I'm telling a story. Okay, so some of you in here might debate what I'm, what, some of my points, but just, just bear with me and give me grace, all right? Okay. Heresy. And besides, there's all different sides. There's lots of different sides to the story. Um, all right. So this stream of churches known as the vineyard began. Does anyone know where it began before the slide comes up? Anyone know where it began? Yes. United States. Okay. Let's, let's drill it down a bit. Which part of the United States? So, somebody said in California. All right. Okay. We have out there? California, um, specifically Southern California. Okay. There we go. So, and it all began um, with a small group of men and women. They have a small group. A small group of men and women. Men and women who uh, were, had become tired of of religion, tired of going through the motions uh, wherever they were at. Have the next slide. Like a cold church. There we go. They were tired, they were hungry, and they were desperate to really meet with God. Um, they would sing simple, simple songs of worship. And the story goes that they only knew about three or four songs. So you sometimes, sometimes people complain about how long we go on in worship and we repeat all the songs. 
Well, that came out of a way we started where we only knew three or four songs. I mean, I say we, I wasn't there. Um, uh, and we just, we just repeat the songs. But, um, but there was something in that. And they would sing these simple songs and they would find themselves in tears. And I can, we can look across the room as we worship together and sometimes you see someone across the room in tears as we worship. Um, they, didn't, they didn't quite know what it was. Um, they would close their eyes because they were slightly embarrassed uh, about singing these, these really intimate songs, love songs, if you like, like some of the songs we've been singing this morning. They didn't realize it was God's presence among them, the Holy Spirit among them. But they knew that God was touching their hearts in sweet, sweet moments. Um, they were part of a Quaker church. Um, so leaving space um, was normal and waiting was normal. Has anyone been to a Quaker meeting? Have been to a Quaker meeting? I've been to a Quaker meeting. And you just, you're just quiet. You leave space. Um, they don't necessarily say they're waiting for what God's going to say, but um, they found that God was speaking to them and they were speaking out what they felt was in their hearts. And they prayed for each other. Um, now, one of the rules of the group was um, only to ask for prayer for themselves. So it was always I. So it wasn't, can I pray for this situation going on the other side of the world? Those prayers are valid, but that, that group wasn't for that. It wasn't, can I pray for my auntie's mother's sister's dog? There's a place for that as well. But that, that, wasn't, the, that wasn't the place. They were asking prayer for themselves. And another rule, there was no giving, no giving advice. It wasn't, you could say, this is going on with me, can you pray for me? And the expectation was, you just get prayed for. It's a bit like how we do it here. It's a bit like how we do it in our small groups. It's a bit like how we do it in kids, don't we? We pray for each other, don't we? Um, they would pray and they would weep. And they would cry. And they would tell each other where they'd messed up. Um, a verse that was really key to them at that time was, uh, well, it, just, well it, it kind of described what was going on, was James 5.16. Oh my God, that's praying. I'm not following the slides. Uh, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Um, and that's what they were doing. Just showing, this is what's going on with me. This is where I've met, messed up. Pray for me. And ask for the Lord to heal them. Um, and they continued to explore God's presence together. They, would still keep, they, were still, they were still going to church, but they would meet after the evening service. And it was called the Afterglow. That's quite a cool name, isn't it? We could, we could start a thing called the Afterglow. It just sounds quite cool. But um, Anyone was invited. Um, 
But eventually the, the church kind of heard about it and investigated it. And um, they didn't kind of say it's wrong, but they said, you're, you're doing something different to what we do. You need to go and do your own thing. So that was kind of a moment, really, where that group went off and they said, okay, you need to go and do your own thing. So they, they started their own thing. They became part of another church, church movement, and they, but they was, it was a new church plant, essentially. Um, they became their own church. And a group of about 120, initially, grew in four years. I think this is right. So about 3,000. It was exponential growth. And a couple names, Joel and Carol Wimber, who you may have heard of, uh, led the church. Um, now, John Wimber was a musician. So uh, what, he, what he knew was five-piece bands. So uh, there we are. There's John and Carol Wimber. Um, so the music they had in their church was a five-piece band. So next slide. Here we go. That's John Wimber on keys. Um, so this seems normal to us. We've got, you know, one, two, three, four. We had six. Crazy. Uh, we're like, we've taken it to another level here, obviously. But, but back in those days, that wasn't commonplace. Um, uh, but that's what they knew. And they had these intimate worship songs. They didn't move away from that. They carried on playing these intimate worship songs, these love songs to Jesus. And they soon learned they could write their own songs as well, which again became a, a theme in the vineyard. So this style of worship, contemporary in sounds, simple in structure, intimate in context, with space for the presence of God, is still part of the essential DNA of any vineyard church. You know that it is here. If you visit another vineyard church, you should expect to find it there. Uh, anywhere in the world, in fact. It's what we do on a Sunday morning. It's what we do in our small groups, or our house groups, rather. It's what we do um, in, in VKids on a Sunday morning as well. And kids, I have, to, I have to admit something to you. Kids, can I get your attention for a minute? Um, I have to, I'm going to admit something to you. So we talk about a lot of the songs that we sing are to God, not just about God. And we talk about that sometimes, don't we? Now, who knows, who in kids, who knows the song... Uh, uh, Trust You, Lord. Do you know that one? You know that one? Okay, they, that were, they weren't the original lyrics. I'm sorry, I changed them. Yeah. But they said the song, the song was Trust the Lord with all your heart. And I just said, well, let's, let's, make this a song, let's make this a song to God, straight from us to God. So I changed it to Trust You, Lord, with all my heart. It's pretty simple. But I felt even, even for our kids, it's... We are singing songs straight to God. Um, now, I, went, I mentioned John Wimber. One of the things that got his heart was doing the stuff in the Bible. Um, healing the sick, feeding the poor, feeding the, feeding the poor, giving sight to the blind, casting out demons. Okay. Um, well, he'd experienced, he'd experienced healing very early on as a Christian, but he kind of had his doubts about it. And it got to the point when he was preaching. Um, he was preaching through, okay, question for the kids. 
Which book have we been look, Which book of the Bible have we been looking at this term? Mm-hmm. Go on. Someone said it. Luke, yeah, book of Luke. So John Wimber was preaching through the book of through the book of Luke. If I've got the story right. Um, now there are lots of stories about healing throughout the Gospels and in the book of Luke. Um, but when as he was preparing as he, as he was preparing to preach, he was kind of shying away from preaching about the healing stories and teaching about the healing stories. But he felt God told tell him not to. He felt that um, that he should preach on it and to teach the people that they could do it too. And so he started preaching, and they started they started testing it out. And they started praying for each other. Uh, for healing, asking God for healing. And nothing happened. Um, in fact, the story goes that they got worse. Um, either the people got worse or, the, or they got sick from the people they were praying from. Um, so the story goes it um, went on for about a year, they, but they carried on doing it. And they were getting pretty, pretty disheartened, like, come on. God, you've told, you've told me to preach on this. You've told us to do this. Come on, come on. Back us up right now. Let's do this. Um, so nothing happened until this. We're going to watch a short video. So kids, get your attention for a second. We're going to watch a short video, a little story. Well, our worst defeat that night, I go home, I go to bed, I wake up the next morning, the phone's ringing, I go to the phone, and here's a new family in the church, and the guy's on the phone, he says, listen, I got a new job, I, 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 I've got to go to work today, this is my, I've got a brand new job, it's just starting today, my wife's sick with a fever, can you come over and pray for her so she'll get well so she can take care of the kids, so I can go to my new job, I think, I, I put my hand up, you really got me into it this time. <laughs> Look what, this guy believes this stuff! He's going to lose his job. I'll be right there in my best professional tone. Hang up. I get in the car, and all the way over there, I'm, I'm talking to God. I'm saying, this, this, it's still not right. You know? This is not right. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's not right. It's a mess. So I get there, and I knock at the door, and a guy comes to the door, leads me in the house, and I mean, he, I thought she would be out in the living room in her house. He takes me right straight back into their bedroom. I mean, this woman was sick. No woman would let you see her looking like that. I mean, this woman was sick. You know, sick. Sick, sick. I mean, she was sick. And I looked at her and I thought, oh, she's sick. Not good. Not good, you know. This is not good. This is not going to make me look good. This woman is sick, you know. She had a high fever. Face was all flushed, you know. And I walked over and I mumbled some terrible, I don't, mean, well, I don't know what I said. I, and, I, and I turned around and I began explaining to the guy why people don't always get well when you pray for them. <laughs> I did. I, I began explaining to him why they don't always get well when you pray for them. And, and he's looking at me, but he's a little bit taller than I am, and he's looking over my shoulder and he's grinning. And I suddenly realized he's not looking at me, he's looking over my shoulder. And I turn around, and there's his wife. She's up. She's got her house coat on. She's already brushed her hair, and she's making the bed. And I said, what happened to you? <laughs> and, she, and she says, 
I'm well. You healed me. I said, oh, no, I can't heal anybody. <laughs> and she said, well, you healed me. I'm feeling fine. You know, would you like to stay for some coffee or something? You know, I said, no, I think I'll just go. <laughs> and so there I went out the door. And I get out the front lawn. And I look up and I go, all right. You know, we got one. I love that story. <clears throat> um, it goes to show God, God uses us. So that was John Wimber speaking there. So God, God uses us whatever state we're in. It doesn't matter how much, how much faith we come into the moment with, how much faith the other person is. It's, it's, a God, it's an amazing, it's a God thing. Um, and we still do that. We still pray for people and they don't get healed. And sometimes we pray for people and they do get healed. And when they do, I definitely do that. It's, like, it's, it's pretty exciting. Um, but there's always disappointment when it doesn't happen. Um, and we still do, we, we pray for the sick on a Sunday morning. We pray for the sick in our house groups. We pray for the sick uh, at the yards. We pray for the sick at the school gate, if you're a parent. Uh, we pray for the sick in the supermarket. We are as... Vineyard people, we just wherever we find ourselves, we find ourselves praying for the sick, not knowing if they're going to be healed. And sometimes, sometimes they do get better, and sometimes they don't, and sometimes we don't know. But it's part of who we are. Um, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, so, behind, besides that, you'll hear us um, talking about the Holy Spirit. I think I've already played, prayed come Holy Spirit already once today. I may pray it again later. But this is um, something that, you're, again, you're here in every vineyard church. Um, Wimber once invited someone, part of his congregation, to speak on a, on a Sunday morning. I oh, know, Sunday evening. Um, and at the end, he invited people to, to be prayed for. And uh, he just prayed, come Holy Spirit. And God's Spirit came. God's Spirit came in power that evening. That was the, um, they hadn't done that before. They hadn't prayed that prayer like that before. And God came in power. And, you know, he was knocking, people got knocked over. People were talking in tongues. People were on the floor. Um, uh, but the, the outworking of that, is they continued to do that. And between May, when that was, and September, they reckon they baptized 700 new Christians. Revival was breaking out in their midst. So we continue to pray, come Holy Spirit, and we expect the Holy Spirit uh, to come in power and work in us in some way. We don't mind how the Holy Spirit works. We leave that up to Him, whether we're falling on the floor or we're not, or whatever, whatever's going on. Um, so the move of the Spirit is ultimately what led the church that Wimber was leading uh, to become part of the group of churches already known as the Vineyard. And he became the leader of that group of churches. And they, con they continued. They, the music grew as a, and they shared that with, with millions of other people. Albums of Vineyard music, are known to millions of Christians across the world in many different languages now. 
They held conferences on healing and the gifts of the Spirit for the benefit of the wider church. Women um, even came to the UK and to conferences here. So you might be wondering, okay, this is all great. This is all in Southern California. How does that relate to us in London? Uh, well, a young, a young couple, um, a young Church of England vicar and his wife, John and Ellie Mumford. I think you're up there. Oh, there we go. Um, they went to visit uh, the Vineyard Church in Anaheim, California, just to check out what was going on. They'd heard stories. And then they, were, they became interns there, spent some time there. Um, and they eventually persuaded John Wimber to let them come back to London and plant a vineyard church. And who can guess how they started? Can you guess how they started? Did they have an enormous event, invite thousands of people? No. It was back to that, it was back to that small group again. A small group of people hungry and thirsty for God, meeting for God, and listening to him and waiting on his presence. Um, that's that, that was 1987, and now here we are. John and Ellie are now the, the international directors of the vineyard. They passed the church over to Neil and Kate Woodward, who are here with us, who are continuing to carry, carry the flame. And we love them for that. But it's not just us. We're one of over 120 vineyard churches across UK and Ireland. And it's not just America and UK and Ireland. There are, have we got a picture? Oh, there, yeah, there you go. That's all the churches up and down this nation and the other nations. Um, but there are also over 2,500 vineyard churches across six continents worldwide. Okay, this is a brief summary of our movement, just our bit of the body of Christ. But I like our story, I like our stories, and I like telling our stories. Um, but now we're going to invite uh, someone up to tell their own story. We promised you a personal story, so um, Sinead is going to come up and ask Helen some questions about her own story. Ready? Hello. After um, after we're done here, lunch, there are um, some sheets. You'll see some of the kids drawing them, um, and they have um, some suggested questions. So. Um, what we said was it was so important to tell each other's story and for me I mean I've heard I've heard the story before but um, it's just wonderful to hear it again and um, so uh, in order to give you a soft entrance into maybe telling your own stories Helen and I thought oh, she didn't know actually but I thought Helen and I could um, sort of um, demystify it slightly and just um, I'm going to ask you some questions and you're going to tell me your story um, but I thought I'd just um, introduce you. So, Helen, how long have we known each other? 13 years. Um, Sinead was my student worker um, when I was here. Um, so I was a student, and you were running student groups. So we used to go to your house. I don't think I did, but other people, we went to your house, and you ran a small group for us all. Yeah. And then weren't you the student small group leader? 
a bit later. There was someone between, after you, there was someone else, and then we did after that. So we have shared a little bit of story together, and then we've worked together for about four and something years. Yeah, so we've... So, Helen, how did, how did you come to know Jesus? Okay, so I don't have a before and after story, um, which would be nice sometimes. Um, I grew up in a family where my parents were Christians, um, and they took me and my brother and my sister to church every week. And so I came to know Jesus through church, but actually mainly through my parents who um, modeled to us what it was to have a relationship with Jesus um, and invited us into kind of some of the things that they were doing as part of their relationship with Jesus. And so as cheesy as this sounds, sometimes we had a, like a, every morning we'd have a family prayer time um, all the way up until just before I went to uni. And at points there we did like a daily devotional thing as well. Um, and as teenagers, we were a bit like, why do we have to do this? But actually, retrospectively, I'm really, really grateful for it because actually it modeled to me what it, how to do these things, um, how to talk to God, um, that God was actually interested in the daily tiny little details and not just the bigger decisions. Um, and so we prayed and we saw God answer those things. And so for me, coming to know Jesus was learning these little things as I went along um, about who Jesus was and what he cared about and um, the fact that we could just talk to him and be with him and, yeah, do our lives with him. Awesome. And secondly, what's the most amazing thing that God has done for you? Hard question. I'm really grateful you gave me these questions in advance. <laughs> um, for me, the most amazing thing is knowing that God loves me for who I am. Um, I am one of these people who... I come away from conversations and events or whatever, and I like overanalyze every little thing. I'm like, was I too loud? Should I have said that? Was I too quiet? Do they think I'm strange? Did I sound stupid when I said that comment? And I don't feel like they understood me. Um, and so what's been really amazing for me is in my relationship with God, I know that he knows me completely. He gets me. I don't feel like I have to explain myself. Um, and he loves me for me. Um, and so where in day-to-day -day I'm a bit like, oh, will they, will they accept me? Will they still love me if I say this thing that sounds stupid? It's really freeing for me to be in a relationship with God where I don't even have to worry about that because I know that he accepts me and I know that he loves me and I don't have to make it sound right um, in the way that I'm talking to him. I can just try and explain and know that he knows what I'm trying to say to him. Thank you. And Helen, <laughs> these are hard questions. So this is, the, this is why we sort of wanted to do this, so you could see us just muddle through some hard questions, but actually like spur each other on in the um, process. So what is your favorite Bible verse? Oh, and why? <laughs> I don't have one. <laughs> but <laughs> I thought I'd talk about, in the context of me um, uh, finding it difficult to know what to say in situations and feeling like I might get it wrong, and my tendency is to basically 
not speak sometimes because it, I know then I can't say something stupid or I can't yeah, do anything that I'm going to regret later. Um, but God spoke to me about um, a verse in Matthew 5 where um, he's, it's in the Sermon on the Mount and he's talking about putting the light on the lampstand um, for all to see and not putting a basket over it. Um, and so in the context of what Jesus was talking about, he was saying, so let your good deeds um, shine for those to see so that they may praise your Father in heaven. And I felt God speak to me about the fact that I was putting a basket over my own lampstand, that he had created me to be me, and yet I was covering some of those things up because I didn't think that they, I was good enough at them. Um, and so he challenged me about allowing him to burn through that basket that I was putting over the top and allow the person he made me to be to, to be seeable to other people. And so this is why doing things like this and standing up and having to talk in front of people, which I really don't like, um, <laughs> it's part of that for me is knowing that God will use me whether I think I'm good enough at something or not. And so that is one of the verses that I find is really been applicable to me, as opposed to being my favorite. But it's, um, yeah, something he's spoken to me through. Yay! <laughs> it's that easy. Um, thank you. I think, um, I think how we wanted to reflect this morning was very much like we are part of this huge narrative of the Bible, and we are, as Manny says, we're just acting out acts. Um, we're part of Vineyard Church worldwide, but we're also our own people with our own stories, and um, we do life within this cloud of witnesses, and um, we spare each other on. So if um, <laughs> you can see how easy it is just to ask each other questions, then please do take that into your conversations over coffee and lunch, and um, let's spare each other on. Thank you, Helen.